to another week of Ross Purdy Destroys Comedy. I am your host, Ross Purdy Destroys Comedy, and today I'm back after a, a two-week hiatus. The pressure got to me. The pressure of putting out a podcast each and every week got to me, so... I went to Hawaiian, the Cayman Islands, the infamous tax evasion island, to evade my podcast. Evade your podcast and tax time, like the end of financial year. See, they don't tell you this, but you can go to that island and evade anything as long as it's during tax time. Evade anything. Responsibilities, crippling existential dread. Criminal persecution. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, I'm going to put that... I'm going to write that down, just remember for next time. I'm like on a tram and I'm still using an invalid concession pass. And then they're like, did you know it's invalid? And I'm like, yes, but you know how much is in my bank account? And they're like, I don't care. And then they give you the fine. And then you write a little song about it where you just got fined. Yeah. (laughs) As long as it's during tax time, you can go to the Cayman Islands. Fabulous. And that is business talk. Okay. And today's guest did a show about business. <laughs> it's Ellen. It's me. Ellen Ma- Mahoney? No, my name is Ellen Marning, but there is an Ellen Ma- Mahoney. And like, oh. it's just Ellen Murs running around um, the world, really. I think she pronounces it Ellen Marnie. Marnie. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm Ellen Marning, which I always say is like morning, but with an A. Um, that usually gets people smiling. Because <laughs> you swap the O and the A. Yeah, exactly. It makes it happy. It makes it happy. And they just like tap away, spell it in like, boom. They've just spelt it so fast. I'm not, I don't have to like say every letter and they really, people like that. So me and this other, this other Ellen, we brought, we talked about this last time. The Ellen factor? Yes. Yeah. Because I thought she did a show called Sticky Business, but no, she did a show <laughs> called Feminine. You did a show called Sticky Business. So how does it feel knowing that a podcast you've never listened to has I, talked about your work? Um... Well, it's that, you know, thing about <laughs> once you put it out there, like that's that's kind of my my gravestone, I guess, out there in the world in audio form. Um, so how do I feel? It's both liberating and completely crippling. Um, no, but I... <laughs> like monogamy, right? <laughs> We're in Brunswick. We have to believe that. Well, I I live in St Kilda, so for today, yes, yes, I embrace, I embrace this monogamous, um, non-monogamy, <laughs> non-monogamy, because because we live in Brunswick and we have to believe it. 
Well, I don't live in Brunswick either, but we're recording in Brunswick. You don't live here. Yeah, I was like thinking I was going to rock up to your house. And I was like, whoa, this industrial complex, Ross, is so cool <laughs> to like be living in this warehouse. I like the vibe, but you don't live here. I don't live here specifically. I live upstairs. You live... Whoa. I live in a crawl space. Do you? <laughs> so, but you said you didn't live in Brunswick, so... Technically, the crawl space is not counted as being Brunswick. It's counted as, as being uh, Collingwood. <laughs> so this liminal space upstairs is like a portal. You live in a... You live in a portal to Collingwood, which I feel also maybe embraces the non-monogamy vibe. <laughs> well, here's a little history lesson. Many, I never, yeah. Many, many years ago, Collingwood, when they founded Collingwood, mm. they founded that crawl space and they called it Collingwood, but then another group of people founded a much bigger space, a suburb, and it called that Collingwood. Ah, okay. This is above us is the original Collingwood. Mm. Okay. Wow. Because I'm not from Melbourne, so I didn't know this when I moved here. I Thank you, Ross. <laughs> I'm glad to impart some very real knowledge. Yeah. It's not at all nonsense. How do you, um like, decorate a crawl space? I'm really... Is it like a tiny house type? Vibe? How do, how do you decorate a crawl space? I think even calling it a crawl space is an overestimate, <laughs> like an overstatement, because I can barely even crawl in that thing. Oh, my God. I have to roll up. I have to, like, roll myself up into a little ball to be able to sleep in it. So, like, the decor isn't on your top list of um, priorities in, like, Getting that space fit to inhabit. <laughs> well, think about this. You ever seen that Twitter meme about guys are happy with just having a mattress and a TV? Yeah. Unlike that, but even like less than that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I would like, I would put like tiny little plants in there and like, Maybe maybe a string of fairy lights just to make it really nice. I can. Ellen, Ellen, you're thinking this is place space is way bigger than it. <laughs> if I wanted to put plants and and fairy lights in there, it would have to actually be inside my body to be able to fit. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how you get that down. Like the plant, the succulent, maybe, but. You're gonna you're gonna struggle with the fairy lights, and that is gonna be hard to pass. <laughs> Ultimately, trust me, it has been very hard to pass. <laughs> no, I'm just seeing this light coming from your mouth, and that explains it. I get it now. <laughs> your interior decorating, your <laughs> literal interiors. Thank you. That's yeah. actually an idea for my next show. Now, let me write that down. <laughs> Interior decorating is literally. <laughs> is I Ellen, like it. Ellen, what's your comedic process? My comedic process is taking a famous saying or phrase 
and then taking it literally, but not acknowledging that I'm taking it literally. So people are just confused, like how weird it is. Can you give me an example? Um, oh gosh, it's, uh, there's so many to choose from. I'm, I'm blocked by my own material. <laughs> You're blocked by the sheer volume. The sheer volume of taking things. Literally. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Oh. In my latest show, a dictator tells me to entertain him properly. I need to go inside myself and show a part of myself. And I take that literally by going literally inside myself and sh sh showing the tumor that's in there. <gasps> really? Like through one of those... Um... <laughs> Like wired um, cameras that they use to like check on stomach ulcers and things. See, Ellen, that would have made sense. <laughs> I just, I just draped a curtain around myself, danced around a bit, <laughs> and said, and just said inside myself, inside myself, inside myself, and then boom, there's a puppet. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wonderful. <laughs> okay, taking something literally, and then you just like. Push it, push it, push it. I push it to the extremes. <sighs> I like that. Old man, old man Stevie Chortleman didn't much care for it, but he's like fucking 97 years old. Ah. He's, a, he's about to die. Who's that? Who's Stevie? Stevie Chortleman? Yeah. What a good name. The critic. Ah. Oh, critics. Fuck them. <laughs> Oh, I wonder, I wonder how many have been performers in their life. You know, I think you need a license to critique when it's, you know, you're putting that out there in a, in a paper or whatever. You need to have like an empathy license. You need some empathy training. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stevie. Stevie Chortleman. <laughs> Chortleman? Yes. Chortleman. Chortleman, yes. That can't be Chortleman. <laughs> As in, what is a chortle anyway? Like there's a chuckle, there's a guffaw. What is uh, a chortle? Like, can you chortle for me, Ross? I really need to know. Okay, I need to try and think about what a chortle actually is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the most the limpest sound you can make. The limpest laugh. <laughs> That's not a. <laughs> oh, I love it and hate it. <laughs> I feel like chortling is not part of my repertoire. Usually, like it sure comes out, but I got more of a wheeze. You know, there's people who wheeze when they laugh. Oh, yeah. Do an example. Just, um, I don't know. What was I watching the other day? I was watching Cheap Season. There's, there's this news. See, it's like I can't get my air out. Like, it's 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 hereditary. I, my dad has five brothers and they all wheeze, like, when they laugh. Like, it's concerning, but also really funny. <laughs> Okay, you're just describing a laugh. I told you to do the laugh. But I, <laughs> it's dependent. It's like dependent on the type of like comedy coming at you. Like, 
whether you need to stifle it or you're like ashamed of your <laughs> that you're finding it funny. I don't know what it is. I it, it will come up. If it happens, it happens. And we will know it's the wee's laughter. Yeah. How did cheap seats inspire your work? <laughs> well, <laughs> I started watching it after I did my show. So in terms of like a linear notion of time, it hasn't inspired my work, but I do feel <laughs> deeply inspired. No, I just love that they get those little clips, like the news presenter sneezing. He's like trying to talk and he's like, <laughs> and then you just watch this like vulnerability. I really love, like, <laughs> I don't know where they find this shit. They're, and they're just the dynamic between them. I enjoy that because watching people have fun is really nice. <laughs> I mean, I, I made my own little pilot for a blooper show. It's on YouTube. It's seven minutes. Seven minutes? Uh, it's um, it's my own little take on the genre, except in this one I have clips of Gary Coleman in the 80s saying that the reason why he hasn't dated much is because of AIDS. Jeez. Because people are afraid of the AIDS epidemic, so no one's kissing. So that's your little clip show? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And are you there as, like, uh, a host, well, like, going down the rabbit hole to all these clips, or is it just a compilation? I am, like, a host, and I do, uh, there's a point where I punch myself. <laughs> um, I get shot to death by a pol- the fun police. Oh, my that's, gosh. That's how it ends. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see where this goes. I want to, I want to like a fully fledged six part web series for this, Ross. It's kind of hard because it ends with me dying. <laughs> you like limitations are the artists like little, a little juicy fertilizer. Like <laughs> what's episode two? What is Ross in back in the crawl space of your of eternity <laughs> widespread protesters okay i've protested after the fun police shot me to death okay nice unreasonably yes nice um i know you're meant to be asking the questions but i want to ask a question okay go here we go <sighs> i don't know how this always happens <laughs> I don't know how this always happens. <laughs> Who is the man behind the mask? No, I want to know, like... Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, Leonardo, how did you get into comedy? Like, when did that happen in the time, space, space, time? Well, I saw a show in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It was... A kind of sketch show satire on business and business culture. I was on this place called Storyville. <laughs> wow, it sounds oddly familiar. Um, what was, was your biggest takeaway from this show? <laughs> my biggest takeaway from it is I could play Infernals from Paris to Berlin on a flute. <laughs> And that kills like a minute or so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just 
Yeah, I needed that minute to like, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with this fucking minute? And then light bulb moment, oboe, you know, trashy dance music. And you have just this juicy minute. When did trashy dance music become the music of absurdist comedy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like maybe the absurdist comedians just have this appreciation. Like as they were growing up, they appreciated how bad it could be, but also how good and nourishing for the soul. And we've just carried that with us as we've grown into adults. And now it has a it has a chance to really, you know, take up its place on stage, whether it's Paris to Berlin. Um, what is that? The one with the crab on it? Pro- the Prodigy, you know? You know that song, Firestarter? Like, that is <laughs> just sweaty, sweaty trash dance music. That's a, that's a movie. That's It is a movie. Starring Drew Barrymore. Firestarter. <laughs> as, a young, as a young child. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Hey. Yes. Did you know one of the MasterChef judges, this is from the Wikipedia page, this Scottish chef, um, he apparently like lit someone on fire. (laughs) (laughs) But I was, because I've just recently gotten into MasterChef. I never was like interested but I had COVID and I had nothing else to watch and so I just sat there in my like sixth state and really got into MasterChef and I was like trawling through their bios I was like what the fuck but now now he's like running this TV show I don't know (laughs) you don't think that he he earned that redemption arc between setting someone on fire (laughs) and then hosting a TV show Look, I don't know the full, like, story. I don't know, yeah, his journey, but <laughs> I, I was threatened as a waitress on Ligon Street. Like, uh, one of the chefs took a can of canola oil and, like, sprayed it on the grill plate and, like, mm. directed the flames towards me. So I know that <laughs> it's a very hard thing to redeem yourself from trying to, like, Throw fire at someone. How did this, how and why did that happen? <laughs> um, I was working at a restaurant that um, I was pretty sure was like tax evading. Um, every year they go to the Cayman Islands um, and amongst other things like being paid in cash and getting no super and um so I, uh, how did that happen? I, I got myself into something I couldn't easily get out of. You called him out on it. Well, I was I just left the kitchen um, never to return. So for the rest of those four months I worked there, I no nobody got their food. They ordered, but they never I never gave them their food. <laughs> anyway, I was young and foolish. I don't know I don't know what inadequate response to that would be what would you do if someone like you were at work and then they just got some canola oil and made a like makeshift flamethrower and aimed it kind of towards you yeah what would you do i'd say hey (laughs) hey buddy (laughs) let's settle down here for a second (laughs) 
Yeah. What? Society tells you as a man you can't cry. And now you're taking it out by making a makeshift fire with canola oil and directing it. <laughs> You'd sit down with them and, like, cry it out. That's nice. I, I, I couldn't do that at that moment. Although, yeah, the tears could have, like, put out the fire, put out the fire in his heart. And that, that was the thing, Ellen. I think you found out. <laughs> <laughs> if I could tell my, like, 20-year-old self, I, I would. I would say cry out the fire. <laughs> but also, it's not your job. It's not your job to say cry out the fire. <laughs> it's my job as someone who looks probably more similar to him to say, hey, don't have that fire. <laughs> cry out the fire. That that's another trashy that's another trashy dance song. That didn't that wasn't written, but could have been written. That would have I would have played driving home in the car after that moment. Are you the same Ellen that's the war, the friends with the war criminal? Jolene O'Byrne? <laughs> Am I friends with her? It's a complicated relationship. Um, Is that the name for George Bush? <laughs> the war criminal that you're, I think you're friends with? Yeah. Yeah, I am friends. Well, it's another thing. I'm like trying to help her cry out the fire, but um, mm. capitalism gets in the fucking way every time. Um, so it's very difficult because um, capitalism, yeah, adds fuel to that fire. <laughs> and no one has ever been set on fire under Marxism. <laughs> Let's think about that, that, that for a second. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is like a pyrotechnic <laughs> journey I was not anticipating. Um, uh, that's what you get for not listening to the show. <laughs> I'm not an auditory person. This is the thing. Like, Ross, I would love to listen to podcasts, but I, like, can't hear as well as I can, like, <laughs> see and taste. And so my hearing's just taste. shit. <laughs> no, I can't even taste good. That's some bullshit. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I drink Makona, so I don't have good taste. Makona? you know Makona? Oh, yeah, I get, I get it. I'm drinking uh, shitty $1 coffee, so... Is this 7-Eleven? This is just sh- Coles. It's Coles coffee. It's Coles coffee. It's not even 7-Eleven coffee. It's quite... The packaging is, like, it's misleading. Well, they have Coles and... Tinier lettering than they do urban coffee culture. It looks a little bit bougie for Coles. Like, oh, no, now I see it. Now I see. I see the fine Coles. They've, like, really hidden that fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiny lettering and then the big lettering on urban coffee culture. So I could just say, I got this from, like, a very cool cafe. Yeah. It seems like, yeah, a next door industrial warehouse type cafe. I see it in that cup, but then you look closer. Coles Express. Fucking lies. <laughs> so business lies. Mm. Business lies to you. Business wise. Business wise, business lies. Oh, uh, whoa. How did that inform your show? 
the business lies. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I think I was a student. So when I was a student, there were all the cuts to education. And I remember going, like, protesting. And there was this chant. Everyone was chanting. And it was, Chris Pine is a lizard. Chris Pine is a lizard. And that phrase has really stuck with me. And so <laughs> when Turnbull in 2018, like, announced that we would become one of the top 10 leading arms exporters. I was like, what the fuck? Why would anyone want to do that? And why are we putting so much money into it? And anyway, it just got, it just got so, um, the business lies, like Chris Pine going from education, then he was in defense and you're like, what the, and then Melbourne Uni, like signing all these contracts with, um, like weapons manufacturing companies. And I just started to see how uh, entrenched these fucking companies are in, well, the taxes we pay, our own economic policies, um, pr like unis trying to profit off the fact that, you know, we're developing machinery and technology for war. I just can't. I just don't understand anyone who would want to profit off war. I just don't understand. Yeah. So that was that was the impulse. I'm like, what the fuck? How can you justify that? Um, how can you make how can you make technology to like lethally harm people? I yeah. Is the show mash? In, a war, in its own way, a show about trying to make money off a war. I think, I think from the very, like, little I know about MASH, it definitely is MASH. Um, it's all four. Are there four characters in MASH? Am I wrong? There's a few characters. There's, there's some, well, some of the characters of MASH have, you know, subliminally, like, infiltrated the work. Um, I, I, like didn't want to wear cargo. I didn't want that for the show, but there was, I was toing and froing between that fact. Um, and do you know, you probably know this, but like, you're not allowed to bring like objects, fake weapons that look like weapons on stage. Cause I don't know the, the fun police <laughs> are worried that you'll like rob a bank with it or, you know, do something naughty so you have to get like things that don't like your fingers as a gun or a banana or in my case we use dildos once who says you can't do this i've had a toy gun on stage many a time <laughs> where did you do this <laughs> no we don't have to <laughs> but like legally you can't you have to get it like you have to check with the police and like i've never done that <laughs> And I'll continue not doing it. <laughs> a maybe a toy gun is like, because it is actually so tiny, it does not, if it looks obviously like a toy, but like to get a, like a real authentic looking fake gun is pretty, is very difficult. You need to lock a away in a cage and like have a, someone to like open the, the vault and let, let the gun run. Let the gun be out. <laughs> Look, yes, this toy gun I use is very clearly, like, very plasticky. Okay, well, so I'm I sure. I can't imagine people would mistake it for a real gun. 
but let's not ignore the fact <laughs> that I will. I don't give a crap. I'm still gonna do it. <laughs> when have you used? When have you used toy guns in your shows, Ross? I think at one point in all my shows, there's a point where I pull a gun out. <laughs> So this has been this has been a major. Uh, why do you what what is the necessity to have that toy gun in that moment? <laughs> There's just so many examples. <laughs> it's so hard to um, pretend it, it off myself. <laughs> I've done that. Oh. Oh. Um. Speaking of business, there's a, there's a there's a bit I do where I I um many years ago that I'm doing like a sponsorship spot for Domino's. Were you actually getting money from them? Absolutely not. And uh. the whole bit is about about it is that Domino's calls me up and says they don't like the fact that I'm making fun of Domino's and that Domino's actually own everything. Wow. And it's a big conspiracy. And at that point, it turns into an action movie, and I. There's take, a gun. Take your toy gun out. And I run into the audience and I point it to people, wondering where the Domino's president is. <laughs> Wait, is Domino's an Australian company? It's a worldwide company. Really? Could the, could the president of Domino's be in the audience? Like, and you, you might have been doing this bit and there they are and you're just like, Whoa. <laughs> Do you think that could have happened? Or do you think... The president of Domino's is not interested in comedy. They're interested in comedy if it's Auntie Donna. <laughs> That's the, like, mm, the flavour for the pizza. <laughs> but you didn't get sponsored. How do you feel about sponsorship? How do you feel about that? I say I'm not a, a shill. I'm not a sellout narc. <laughs> but I will sell out all convictions if I get paid. Right, right. Would you do? Would you do a sports bet ad? I kind of have to, right? I'm a Melbourne comedian. <laughs> oh my god! Like, what's what's your limit? What's where would you stop? Would you do McDonald's? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hungry Jacks. Yes. <laughs> okay. Ellen, uh, Ellen, I'm so desperate for cash. <laughs> I'm so, I would do a pro-life ad. I have no convictions. Oh, my gosh. I don't believe it. Ellen, when you're in the entertainment industry, you've got to sell yourself out to the fact. <laughs> oh, my God. I've never been in a position where, oh, maybe, but, like, yeah, where your convictions like a really tempted by that capitalist cat, just be like, mm, yummy, yummy, yummy. You got some salmon over here. Yeah. Do you know cats can't eat smoked salmon? Fuck. <laughs> I've done shows where I fed cats smoked salmon. <laughs> just 20 cats, you with a gun at their balls, like, eat the salmon, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know how to tell little dickheads? Yes, I do. They're very cat-obsessed. They are. I had some of their cats in my show and I fed them smoked salmon and then <gasps> they died. I thought it was just a coincidence. Oh, my God. Oh, you're clearly not a cat owner because that has really hit me. Like, <laughs> oh, I love two little dickheads. 
Where are they now? Where are they? Where in the world? Are, did you play Carmen Santiago? Do you um, know that game? I do, I do know the game. I don't think Carmen Sandiego <laughs> is currently residing in Melbourne doing improv shows every Thursday night at the Lantern Lounge. So the link between two little dickheads and Carmen Santiago is a little, is not as, is not, they're not as interconnected, uh, intrinsically woven into the fabric of the Melbourne comedy scene as I previously imagined. No, okay. not at all. I'm on the same Harold team as David. So I know where he is. Who? David. David. Ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. We're on the same damn Harold team. I know where he is. Harold team? Harold team? Ah, uh, improv. Ah. What do you call it? Harold. A Harold team. So we do this format of a show and it's called a Harold. Ah. What is a Harold? I'm just imagining the guy from Neighbours who has the cafe. That would be hilarious, <laughs> but it's not it. Okay. You get a suggestion from the audience, and then as a group, you you do an opening together that explores that and tries to, and you get ideas from that opening to do three separate opening scenes, mm -hmm. and from those you use that as a template to heighten and. Oh, then as it goes on to end it, you cross-pollinate the ideas and, like, have you ever heard a little show called Seinfeld? Um, it rings a little bell. <laughs> Apparently it was a format they used to script out Seinfeld. I know, uh, because they use it to advertise a Herald all the time. Oh. It's like Seinfeld. Right. Without the racist tall neighbour. Yes. And it sounds, do you know, it also sounds like, like growing weed. Not that I know much about it, but like you really do need to cross pollinate and it needs like the ideal conditions to flourish. Um, yeah. Mm. Group mind. <laughs> so, Ellen, do you have a group mind? A group mind? Group mind. Hive mind. Oh, uh, for sure. For sure. I'm a little buzzy bee. I'm a little worker bee. I'm not the queen of my own destiny. I'm like... Share one mind with a group. Share one mind. What What was the last mind I shared? Um, um, I don't know. Well, this is... I find when I'm on like a plane and everyone's sleeping, everyone's trying to sleep it to, together... <laughs> <laughs> sleep at the same time because they like turn the lights out and give you a little blankie. I really, I guess that's the moment where I feel me to sucky sucky. They're like, put your thumb in your mouth and go to fucking sleep, you little. Um, no, but I find those moments. I don't know why when you're like really vulnerable with <laughs> lots of people and like everyone's going to sleep and I'm like, ah. I, <laughs> so you sleep at the same time as them? Yeah, I try to, but I also find it really funny. I'm like, holy shit, I've never gone to sleep with this many people in like a Boeing 747. And everyone's trying to sleep at the same time. This baby hasn't got their hive mind yet, so they're not going to sleep. And they're just crying and crying and crying. And that's when the hive mind is really useful. And the plane is kind of like a big beehive. 
In a sense. <laughs> I think it's more like a pine cone. Okay. Why a pine cone? Because, you know, you smack a pine cone against a tree. That's <laughs> like, like a plane that's flying. Into the, the ocean and, like, having that impact and the ensuing death. Yeah, this is like pine cone is being uh, flown by a sully. <laughs> sully Sullenberger. <laughs> By the Sully, that sounds like not a real name. It is. It's the most real thing I've said in this whole podcast. <laughs> Sully Sullenberger. Sully Sullenberger. Sullenberger. That's not a burger I want to eat. A Sullenberger. <laughs> I'm shared. I'm a shared burger. <laughs> is that your next show? My sad burger. <laughs> That is the name of my next show. My sad burger. My sad, sad burger. It's got a little pickle and no iceberg lettuce. Yeah, um, no, that's not the name of my next show. It could be part of your anti-capitalist trilogy where a burger's real sad, but they're part of a, a disgusting abomination of a process. Yeah. I, wow, an anti-capitalist trilogy. Fuck yeah. Oh, but I have no convictions. I'm a sellout, Ross. I'm like trolling the gram, looking at thing shit to buy. I can't help it anymore. If I was truly anti-capitalist, I don't know, I'd find a way to disengage from that. But it's very, I don't know, they get you. They get you. Well, capitalism just knows what I like. <laughs> what? And what I like is buying some thousand dollar Yeezys. <laughs> yeah. Some nice shit hot Ray-Ban. Oof. Yeah. Shit, shit hot Ray-Ban. Oof. Just that, oh, that little bit of that, those two, two hyphenated words on the top of that, that glass. It gets me. Mm, Ray-Ban. Ray Ray-Ban. What the? What does that even mean? Ray-Ban. Ray-Ban. Oh, I get it. Hi there, I'm Ray-Ban. <laughs> Is it like, were there two people? Ray, Sir Ray and Dr. Ban, and they came together. I am Dr. Ray-Ban. <laughs> or is this one individual really... Yeah. I am one individual, yes. You are one. We are one. <laughs> I am I am Ray-Ban, yes. You are Ray-Ban. I am Ray-Ban, yes. The only part of you I can see right now are your eyes and this little mouth hole. Well, actually, that makes sense. It is some protection. <laughs> what is what the pink balaclava explain to me? Uh, this is just my face. <laughs> it's just my face, Ellen. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it's beautiful. Yeah, I didn't go up to you and say, what's with the nose? <laughs> what's confusing about it? No, I'm just curious. Like, the color choice. I love it. I love the color. It's so bold. But And to hide your face. To hide... Uh, please tell me, please. <laughs> Have you ever seen the 2013 film Spring Breakers? No. Is that with Michelle Trachtenberg from Buffy? No, completely different <laughs> film. 
completely different film. That's a holiday. That's of the holiday genre, I believe. But no, I don't know Spring Breakers. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just you wait until you see Spring Breakers. Am I missing out? Have I been missing out? You've been missing out on James Franco dressed up as a as a, as a white boy rapper with cornrows <laughs> going on a, a two minute rant about all the shit he owns. Oh my god! When was it? When was it made? Twenty thirteen. Twenty. Oh yes, 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 yes. Twenty thirteen. Good year. Good year. Selena Gomez, <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens, a couple um, others. A couple. Ah, oh, Miley. It was a big Miley year. Well, Miley was not in Spring Breakers. Okay. Just James Franco. And Selena Gomez and Vanessa Hutchins. Ah, they were in it. I thought we were just listing people that were prominent in the year 2013. Uh, Gucci Mane. <laughs> Do you know Gucci Mane? No. He's a rapper that went in prison. Oh. And he's in the film Spring Breakers. He's in the film. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What was the connection to Spring Breakers? Oh, at a certain point, they wear pink bell clubbers. Ah, oh, really? Yes. And that's where you got it from? Yeah, nothing's more comedically inspired me than <laughs> Spring Breakers. <laughs> okay, I'm piecing together things a little bit now. So, Ross, 2013, goes to the movies. Watches Spring Breakers, sees the pink balaclava. It ignites in him a fire that cannot be quelled. He enters the crawl space. He's killing cats left, right and centre. Taking guns, little guns, everywhere he goes. And meeting the president of Domino's. He's going around. He's getting sponsorships, but not sponsored by anyone. <laughs> and, yeah, okay. I feel like I... I'm getting to see more of the man behind the pink balaclava. Well, for the first eight to nine years of my comedy career, I didn't wear the mask. It was just me. Just you. So, you know. But you take the mask off, don't you? I take it off on occasion. What about the tumour? Is the tumour maskless or the tumour... I've worn the mask while doing the tumour. Ah. It's dependent. It's dependent. Yep. How was your, how did you enjoy your two weeks at Comedy Fest this year? Like, what was your biggest takeaway? Oh, God, I'm getting all the questions. I I'm mean, sorry. I I'm mean, a quick... <laughs> it, it was, it ended up being the whole month, pretty much. Oh, really? You kept, oh, you had other stuff, didn't you? Yeah. And then I added shows. I added shows. Oh, my gosh. And you got... Bloody Golden Gibbo nominated. Yeah, got, got an award nomination. That's so huge. It's, like, amazing. But Stevie Chortleman didn't care for it. Well. And I didn't read that review, but from what can I can tell, he didn't care for it. Didn't care for it. Oh. Well, how wrong. How this the Chortle, Chortle's no more. I'm pretty sure it's still around. Yeah, like the the legacy. It's the it's the yeah. You need a license to, but we. Well, the guy's ninety seven years old. He's about to goddamn die. Oh my gosh! If it's not some others do have him, I don't think he gets it. Gets your comedy. I don't think he gets comedy if it's not some others do have him. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. So your biggest takeaway was it was fucking intense. And also... Very, that, very up and down. Yeah. Seems like, yeah. Like a big, rich experience of pain and euphoria. I don't know if you can tell from just this episode, Ellen, but I'm a polarizing comedian. (laughs) (laughs) That's the wheeze. You made me wheeze. (laughs) And we've come full circle. (laughs) Ellen, I don't think I've learned anything about you. (laughs) I'm a mysterious business liar <laughs> and that's the character <laughs> i'm a, i'm a bl- i'm a i'm a jolino burn i don't know i don't I, I didn't know i was signing up for uh my 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 20th session <laughs> no no i appreciate it um <laughs> You appreciate learning everything about me, but I learned nothing about you. I deflect through questioning, but I'm also very interested in in getting the answers to these questions. One final question. Yeah. Speaking of reviews, <laughs> you're the Australian Anna Kendrick, apparently. <laughs> um, Who's the American Ellen Marnie, man? <laughs> oh, I, uh, who is... That is a really good question. I've yet to meet them. Um, yeah, I'm not a singer. And that just like, I feel like you can do anything because I cannot sing. Anna Kendrick is a proper singer. and um, But actually, I used to work as an English teacher, like teaching English to adults. And my, my students would be like showing me pictures of Anna Kendrick. Because I have a similar facial structure. I think that's the thing. It's the pointy chin and the pointy nose. I'm not wearing my glasses right now, so I can't tell. I could cut cut bread with this chin. Have you? I've tried. (laughs) To varying degrees of success. It depends on the bread. A rye, like, sourdough, not going to get through. But some wonder why I could definitely do some damage to. And is that going to be your next show? I think it's in the burger realm, my sad burger. So, look, I'm not making any promises, but yeah, 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 yeah. It's part of my sad burger journey. <laughs> Slicing up those little patties, brioche buns, fucking just. <sighs> Chin cut, chin cut, nose cut, nose cut, chin, <laughs> chin, chin. Ellen. Yes? Have you got anything to plug? To plug? Yeah. You, this is the part of the show where you, you sell yourself. Oh, my gosh. I just want to thank my sponsors, Domino. <laughs> and, um, oh, what have I got to plug? I've got nothing to plug. Um, That's not true. <laughs> Next year's show, My Sad Burger, where you, <laughs> where you, where you cut up the bread with your, with your chin. No, well, I am going to do a show for Melbourne Fringe, but it's not necessarily going to be comedy. Um, I want the freedom f- to be 
sad if I want to. <laughs> um, and it's going to be at the end of uh, last week of Fringe. So that's not till October, but I'm excited. I'm going to do, we're doing a shoot next, uh, next Friday to like get the, get the snap going to the clubs because it's set in a club. And, um, ah. yeah, I was recently in Berlin and I was like <laughs> trying to tax evade. I was just like going to clubs and like putting it on my expenses for end of financial year. But like I can legitimately claim because I was doing research, I'd like, you're not allowed to have your camera, like any cameras in a Berlin club or privacy is a huge factor. So you put little stickers on the like the seeing parts of your phone, but Mm. I just turn it on record and like I've got (laughs) hours of just like mushy techno (laughs) from through my bag. Um so that's going to be my show, Mushy Techno and My Sad Burger. <laughs> no. That's a combo. It is a, it's a beautiful combo. And of that's like, a burger combo. Yeah. It's like um, an upgrade with fries and um, a Coke Zero. Also a sponsor. Plug, plug, plug. Um, no, it's going to, yeah. It's going to be at the Butterfly Club and the Fringe, New Disco. That's what it's called. Yes. All right. Let's bring this home. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. What have you learned? I've learned so much. I've learned a little bit more about your cruel space. I've learned about your interior life. I've learned more about your process. I've learned... About my sad burger and actually how fucking fucked it was to have, you know, a makeshift flamethrower, you know, threatened to be threatened with that. Um, But just learned so much on this frosty little Melbourne morning. Um, And I really I need to go to Collingwood. So do you mind? Do you mind if I just um, go to the crawl space? Thank you. All right. (laughs) Well, I learned nothing. Fab! No hugging, no learning. And that's Seinfeld. And that's what we call a Harold. (laughs) 